Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. I'm Zach Lawhorn from Show Me Opportunity, and today I'm joined by David Stokes, Avery Frank, and Patrick Ishmael. Patrick, recently a Missouri special legislative session ended. There was some good, some bad. Um, what do we think? Yeah, I think overall it was good. There were two items that were really considered in the legislative session. The first one uh, dealt with uh, tax cuts. Um, there was a question of whether or not there would be rebate checks going out to Missourians. That was vetoed, but as part of that veto, the governor also announced that he wanted to have just permanent tax cuts enacted. And so um, the tax cuts were passed. They were enacted. Uh, starting next year, you're going to have a 4.95 percent uh, tax rate at the top end in Missouri, which is the first time we've been below 5% uh, in, uh, I guess, 50 years or so. Uh, so that was good stuff. It'll work its way down to about 4.5% over the next few years based on revenue triggers. And those revenue triggers are pretty likely over time. So, And then the other part, which was not so good, was they did pass some tax credits as well. Uh, and so agricultural tax credits, just like other economic development tax credits, whether you're talking about housing or something else, you know, we would much prefer to see broad-based tax cuts. Uh, I think that is a much better way of pursuing uh, economic growth. You're really kind of investing in the market with a tax cut and with tax credits. What you're looking at is kind of picking and choosing winners in the marketplace. Uh, and those are, of course, you know, uh, high risk. Uh, and generally, it, in terms of our tax credits, kind of low reward endeavors. It's much better to do tax cuts. So good news, bad news. Good news is tax cuts happen. Bad news is that tax credits happen. But it, we are continuing a trend in Missouri, though, toward a 0% income tax. Uh, I mean, you know, trying to get rid of the income tax. You know, this process started some years ago. Uh, and it's good to see that the legislature took another step forward on getting rid of the, the income tax. And so where does it, we talk about competition with surrounding states all the time. I know, obviously, Tennessee is at zero. and there's But in terms of states that are uh, immediately bordering Missouri, what does this do for competition? Are we, uh, is 4.95 um, lower, higher, in league? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think we're, we're starting to kind of get into um, competition with the our surrounding states. I mean, the, the, the fact of the matter is that Tennessee is kind of like the gold standard here. Once you're at zero, you know, you can't go below zero percent. So, um, and, and Tennessee, if you look over time, Tennessee used to be behind us in economic growth and population growth. And in the last you know, 50 to 100 years, you've seen kind of a reversal of that. So, uh, you know, when you look at places like Iowa, you look at Nebraska, you know, Kansas, all of them have kind of comparable tax rates right now. I think that, you know, we, we do need to start talking about what tax reform looks like rather than just tax cuts, because uh, if we do get to a zero percent income tax, uh, we, that money is probably, you know, you, you can make cuts to, to government uh, programs as well. Um, but, I mean, the income tax constitutes the majority of our general revenue. Not everything is going to be cut. And shifting to, you know, a mix of sales and property taxes, uh, I think that conversation needs to start um, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and David, this is where I want to bring you in. So let's start that conversation here. We're obviously not going to finish it on this podcast. But when you think about tax reform in Missouri, uh, lowering the income tax, what what springs into your mind with sales taxes, property taxes? What, is, what does that look like? Well, I think our... We have to get a handle on our local sales taxes because if, if there's going to be further state income tax cuts, a portion of that, and Show Me Institute's written papers on this so at showmeinstitute.org, a portion of that could be, could be addressed, at least in theory, with, with sales taxes. But that can't happen if 
every community improvement district in if a hundred SIDS and a hundred transportation development districts are popping up around the state every year and putting our local sales taxes, uh, combined sales taxes up to 11 or 12% and just going up and up and up as more of these SIDS and TDDs go. So when we talk about how do we, how do we really improve the overall tax environment in the state of Missouri, other than just cutting the state income tax and hopefully as well, the state corporate income tax, you know, as the person who focuses on local government here, if there's one thing we need to also do, it's get a handle on these small, obscure sales taxes, which are proliferating insanely and and which primarily serve as a tool for corporate welfare. These do not fund, in the vast majority of instances, important public services. They they are corporate corporate welfare and tax giveaways. And also in doing so, they they make it more difficult to make important structural change in the state of Missouri to our overall tax system. So there's a lot of reasons we need to get a, a handle on SIDS and TDDs and TIFs as well, although TIFs are not a sales tax. Uh, we need to get a handle on all those things. So it sounds like there's a lot more work to do. And having this tax cut passed during the special session, I'm going to ask you guys here to kind of uh, predict what the legislature will do, which I know is always a challenge, so we won't hold you to it. But do you think that there'll be an appetite for more reforms when we're in session again in the the spring? Or do you think this is kind of going to be a check the box, we did tax reform, we'll talk to you in a couple of years? Well, I certainly hope with the indictments in St. Louis City and County in uh, a few months ago that this will further whet the appetite to reform how we do tax subsidies and tax credits and the like in Missouri. Yeah, I think this would be a fantastic year to make additional reforms, to add more counties to the County TIF Commission list, to to require that SIDS and TDDs be be approved by the full vote of all the citizens of whatever city uh, they're in or county if it's unincorporated, and and just additional limits on, on giving schools the right to opt out of TIF uh, as well, school districts. I think this is the year for a lot of those changes. We've seen that when you empower local officials to make these decisions and abuse these processes that some local officials are going to to take it into illegality as as happened in the city of St. Louis. And I can say happened now because I think some of those people have pled guilty. So I no longer I no longer have to throw allegedly out every third word. Patrick. Yeah, and the other thing I would add is that there was a lot of discussion during this legislative session about whether to, or this special session whether to add corporate income tax reductions to the mix as well. And that wasn't included originally in the governor's uh, special session call, which is important because that's that kind of restricts what you can actually talk about. And there, there was a request that the governor added. He said no. And part of the reason he said no was that this is something that can be considered in the regular session in 2023. And uh, I think the legislature itself, you know, as, as you're hearing the legislators talk about it, I think they are going to at least talk about reducing the corporate income tax um, in 2020. Now, whether they actually do is a different question, but I do think that there is a lot of support for that. We've certainly written about the importance of getting rid of all income taxes. And when you talk about growth, the most destructive taxes to growth are income taxes and among income taxes, the corporate income tax. So there's a lot of research and data behind, you know, to, to justify 
reducing the corporate income tax. I think it'll be talked about. I'm sure there'll be legislation introduced. Whether it passes, you know, no one really knows. But uh, I think it, it, you know, it has a, it'll get some some time on the floor for sure and may end up, uh, you know, making it its way. Some reduction in the corporate income tax may make its way to the governor's desk uh, by the uh, end of May 2023. All right. So, David, moving to the west side of the state, there is an issue in Kansas City, the west side specifically, that you uh, want to discuss. What's going on? So it's the west side of the state, sure, but more specifically, it's the west side neighborhood, historically uh, Latino neighborhood in, in Kansas City. And it's been experiencing dramatic property tax increases, property assessment increases, and tax increases in recent years. There's a couple of reasons for this. Uh, that I've written a lot about over the years on, on our blog. Uh, Jackson County was underassessed, and so they had to address that in 2019. Uh, this particular area has got a great location, so it's seen a lot of gentrification, uh, for better or worse. And so property values in there, even for older homes, that now there's new teardowns and rebuilds right in the community, so they've really been walloped by the assessments. And then there's the fact that the Kansas City School District is the only taxing entity in the state exempt from rollback requirements. So they haven't gotten any even tax rollbacks as these assessments. So it's sort of three points to it. So what they came up with, they had a, they had a legitimate concern, and I certainly understand the worries of people who live there a long time being, wanting to stay in their homes, not being taxed out of their homes. I do get that. I truly do. But what they've come up with a plan to take – the Chapter 353 abatement process, which is generally used for for business in business types of abatements, which are bad. Like I don't like how we've used Chapter 353 abatements at all. But they've taken it to a different level and just abated the entire neighborhood, where they've tur- you have to turn your property over to this community group, who then sends it back to the homeowner, then turns it back over to the homeowner, and that allows this abatement process to occur where you will then pay your taxes to this community group and the community group will then either distribute them to various taxing bodies or give money back to you based on uh, a couple of factors, primarily the income, your income level. So this is, this is a giant tax subsidy for the neighborhood. And I think it's very, very troubling. First of all, as the articles on it in the Kansas City SAR state, that if you're new, if you move in after it starts, you're not eligible for it. So I think there's there were Supreme Court decisions uh, against this type of welcome stranger property tax system. Uh, uh, so I would hope somebody would challenge this from that perspective. And also, I think it's going to be copied around the state. It, if it were to only be used in this one example in, in West Side, you know, maybe it wouldn't be such a big deal. But what is preventing? Any area that can reasonably declare itself blighted, and the definition of blight is unbelievably easy to attain, from doing the exact same thing and using political power, even though it might not make fiscal sense for from a government, if you've got a lot of voters in the community, politicians are, might want to support that. And this passed unanimously in Kansas City, even though it's going to be a substantial tax cut to the Kansas City School District, something to Kansas City, some to Jackson County, and... And I love tax cuts, but when they're equal for everybody, not giving certain people, uh, in this case, a special deal. And I understand that in this case, the special deal is going to be mostly aimed at lower income 
people, a lot of seniors, and maybe that's preferable than giving a special deal to a Fortune 500 company building a new skyscraper. Uh, it, it probably is to most people. But this is a, I'm very f- frightened that this is going to be imitated around the state and further make our abatement process uh, difficult. And that then makes it more likely that Kansas City and St. Louis will have to depend more on earnings taxes than property taxes, which is a bad way, a bad ending as well. And that was actually going to be my question to Patrick, who is in Kansas City. Patrick, is this an issue that has come up organically at all around Kansas City, that it's something that could be imitated in other neighborhoods, other areas, as uh, areas continue to grow? Or do you think that right now this is kind of a one-off? You know, I think for, for now it's a one-off. But, I mean, in, in Missouri, certainly uh, big cities like replicating other big cities' ideas. And, you know, that's, that's internally, that's externally. You know, you, you talk about the streetcar in Kansas City. You know, that's an idea that, you know, predominantly started in a place like Portland or uh, Denver. And so I, I would say that right now, I don't know if there's uh, a long-term or even short-term plan to implement this sort of a, a program statewide or locally in St. Louis or locally in, in other parts of Kansas City. But, you know, uh, ideas spread, and I, I, I wouldn't say that this is going to be just a one-off. And Keep in mind, abatements, while this type of income tax-based subsidy and refund your property tax is new to Westside, that abatements generally are extremely common in Kansas, throughout Kansas City and throughout St. Louis for both businesses and residential areas. So, so while I would love this to be a one-off, I would we need to address the larger issue of Chapter 100, Chapter 353 abatements, TIF, and and all of this. We need proper, the property tax base to be as wide as possible so that it can fund the needs of government and keep that rate as low as possible for everybody. And and this is not the way to do it for the West Side. If the Kansas City School District inst- instead of taking so much of their property and putting it off the tax rolls in full or in part, you should have all the property on the tax rolls and then get rid of their exemption from the rollback requirement. And that would be addressing a large part of the tax issues that people in this West Side community are, are doing. Instead of addressing the bad problem with that exemption for the school district, they're making the problem worse for everybody, except, except a few homeowners who get the special deal. What do we know about uh, food truck restrictions on the west side? Anything? Patrick, how are the, the food truck rules in, in Kansas City? They're pretty good, aren't they? Like food trucks. Yeah, they're not, are, you can find yeah, food trucks in Kansas City. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of, one of the, the biggest events that we have monthly here is First Fridays in the Crossroads District, which, of course, Crossroads is heavily subsidized by tax incentives. But uh, one of the, the biggest features of it is uh, the food trucks. And, uh, you know, Kansas City has a very robust food truck culture um you know i think it can always be improved but by by and large it, it, it's pretty great around here all right so we have a, a new show me institute researchers first time on the podcast avery frank welcome um and coincidentally you've written about food trucks specifically in ladue is uh, one of your first blog posts that you put up at show me institute so fill listeners in what's the status quo in ladue with food trucks what do we hope changes what's going on so i was Looking to see, they were talking about food truck uh, updating their policy. So I called up the city planner, and she's a very nice lady. I'd give her an A-plus on getting me the materials. I mean, she sent it to me immediately, their ordinance, and I was very satisfied. So I'll give them an A-plus on that. But then I looked at their ordinance, and mm, not not so happy with that. 
So food trucks have to be part of a special event in Ladue. So that means it has to be registered in, at minimum 30 days in advance or 60 days in advance. And if there's seven or more food trucks, I believe it's 120 days in advance amongst a lot of other regulations. So food trucks in Ladue, occasional stop, not a hub. These food trucks, one of the fastest growing industries in the United States. They have many positives. As a son of two parents who owned a restaurant for a while, startup costs for restaurants are very scary because you are basically living week to week because you have to pay for your inventory and then you have to try to sell all that inventory. So food trucks, if you're trying to bring a niche idea in a food truck, like maybe something that's not sold regularly, a food truck has lower startup costs, so you could try it out. And for Ledoux, if you're scared that they're not a brick-and-mortar restaurant, they're not going to be paying all these tax, the same taxes and stuff. It, food trucks have regularly turned to brick-and-mortar shops. They, If they succeed, they get to become a brick-and-mortar shop. So I think Ledoux needs to really just cast off these fears for food trucks. Because, I mean, I know you go into a restaurant and you're like, you see all these help-wanted signs like, oh a lot of these restaurants are struggling with labor. I mean, food trucks usually, there are 1.2 employees on average. It's usually just one guy starting it up and maybe one other employee. You don't need to worry about the labor shortages. They bring a lot of benefits, and I think that Ledoux should focus on bringing this good project to their city. So you mentioned the competition aspect of it. Maybe some restaurant owners in the area don't want food trucks. But are there other concerns that you've heard about, concerns about traffic, you know, multiple food trucks uh, come to a birthday party in the neighborhood? <laughs> what What are the concerns that we're hearing, I guess, from Ledoux? I mean, as me and David talked about, Ledoux does have some very skinny roads, so you may not want to have a food truck on the side of the road completely blocking traffic, but that's a very easy workaround. You could definitely have designated locations for them to operate full-time like in a, near a park or near a work district that isn't on a road or blocking traffic. And I don't think that if you want to make a restrictions on food trucks, you can make it on tr- where they can park and where all this, but it shouldn't be they can only operate in a special event. They should be able to operate somewhere full-time because if someone loves a food truck in a restaurant and they would like to get it every day, it should be available to them. It, it absolutely should. Ludu didn't go nearly far enough on on this and and food trucks have been something interest of interest to the show me institute for a long time former colleagues chrissy harbin and coriana buyer have both done videos about it coriana testified last year before ledoux when this when they introduced this bill and explained how they did it didn't go nearly far enough they pulled the bill designed to reconsider it and we were hoping that they would come up with a plan that would be more more opening to food trucks, but they they didn't, unfortunately. Right now, they're banned completely. Now they're going to be allowed for special events. That's the barest of step forward. It's not nearly far enough. There are certainly parts of Ladue where you could allow food trucks safely and without blocking traffic. As Avery said, many of the residential streets in Ladue are very narrow lanes. I get that, uh, I get that there's a legitimate, there's always legitimate traffic concerns with food trucks that's Probably the the main area cities do have cities or counties do have a right to to put some limits and regulations there, but to just ban it outside of special events is a uh, is way too way too far. There's a market for it 
in the Ladoo area, just like there's a market for food trucks everywhere. And to, to keep them out like this, I think, is a poor, very poor public policy. The, the thing that I always found really interesting about this issue is that, it, you know, protectionism, protectionism oftentimes sits behind it. And I know that when we were looking at it, when, uh, you know, like eight or 10 years ago when St. Louis was making debates about or making having a conversation about where these food trucks could set up, they were putting like a hundred foot radius around restaurants or bars where the food trucks couldn't set up because they would be competing in some respect with the, the restaurant bar. But like some of these bars didn't even have food. So there were entire like swaths of downtown St. Louis that were inaccessible to uh, food trucks, even though food wasn't being produced in any of the places where, you know, these these carve outs were being made. So um, it, it's always an interesting subject. You know, here in Kansas City, you'll see food trucks and, uh, you know, parking lots and and, and what have you. Um, but I and I think that that is a much better way forward. Now, in, in like you all say, it, you have to be able to have traffic flow. And if there are narrow streets, you know, you have to to assure that people can get to and from where they need to go without too much obstruction. But it's it's always to me though, you know, when when people are trying to push against food trucks, it seems like it's oftentimes about protectionism. It's, it sounds like it may not be entirely that in Ladue, but I, I feel like that's oftentimes what sits behind it, at least in some quarters that, that want greater restrictions. You're, you're totally right about protectionism being a major quiet back backdrop to it. Uh, I don't think it is a major reason for it, for this in the do they've got other poor reasons for not allowing food trucks to go forward now in clayton a couple of years ago when they had this fight in clayton protectionism for existing brick and mortar restaurants was a major major reason uh out in the open as to why they wanted further limits on food trucks in in uh in clayton and certainly many other parts of the state of, of Missouri. lake of the ozarks has been arguing over food trucks for years and and competition with existing restaurants is a huge part of the, the why people want to limit it there. All right, Navery, I assume you'll be uh, keeping tabs on the food truck situation in Ladue and all over. You're now on the food truck beat in Missouri, and so if something happens related to food trucks, you're all over it. Yeah, we're hoping for a food truck takeover in Missouri. There we go. Um, He's got uh, upcoming trips to, to uh, Maryville, <laughs> Joplin, Kirksville, and uh, – and uh, Sykeston, he's going to get all four corners of this state knocked out. The uh, mileage bill is going to be enormous. I'll be going on tour. Yeah, that's right. The Avery Frank food truck tour 2023. Um, I also love Avery. We have to comment that Avery being a millennial, he's got that uh, traditional millennial habit of having a last name for a first name and a first name <laughs> for a last name. So it's just, I know at some point I'm going to call him Frank Avery here by, by mistake, but no, it's. It's a Avery Frank. Well, you got to remember that. Yeah, the millennials really did take a stand on choosing their own surnames. Well, You're right. Blame the parents. Is, yeah. I, I agree. I've yeah. been called Frank many times. People think it's my first name. I, under, I understand. It's not as bad as my middle brother, whose first name is Davis. So he's Frank Davis all the time, Ooh. everywhere. All right, David Chesterfield. <laughs> there's a tiff. What's up? That's <laughs> that's a direct lead-in right right there. Um, <laughs> so Chesterfield has a continuing its process of just asking for tax subsidies right and left of various types. Chesterfield is going forward with an enormous tiff to redevelop the Chesterfield mall region. Uh, it's more than just the mall. It's also a, a big area, just a little bit West of it. 
it's, I mean, they're asking for hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies over like the next 35 years. They're going to phase in various parts of this TIF so that it's actually multiple TIFs, which is why it'll last longer than the, the standard 23-year TIF because parts of it won't start for another eight, nine years or so. So their hearing is November 1st at Chesterfield City Hall. It's the Chesterfield TIF Commission, which is now, thanks to legal changes a few years back, uh, the half of the commission is now county TIF appointees, which is the uh, saving grace here. That's how the devastating proposal in the Maryland Heights floodplain TIF a couple years back was able to be stopped by the county appointees on the TIF commission. And it's my very great hope that this will be as well. The Parkway School District in the prior public hearing uh, for it, which didn't take testimony at that one, but the TIF commission members were allowed to speak expressed some very strong concerns about just how many families and, and homes were being brought in here. And that's not their objection. Their objection is how they won't be paying taxes to the Parkway School District to fund, to fund the education of those children. So that's going to almost inevitably lead to higher taxes on the other residents of Parkway, uh, Parkway School District here. So Chesterfield is proud to say they don't have a, a property tax and that's that's great. If the people of Chesterfield don't want a property tax, that's good for good for them. But the city has come up with a plan to fund substantial improvements, and many of these improvements are of at least a somewhat public nature, as opposed to just tax giveaways for new retail tiffs. So I'll give Chesterfield honesty demands that I give Chesterfield points on that. But still, they're funding it with property taxes that they don't have. Their solution here is to take advantage of, continue to abuse what TIF allows people to abuse, which is to pay for something with property taxes that they've taken by Parkway School District, St. Louis County, St. Louis County Library District, the Special School District, and three or four others. So that's their genius plan here. We're going to pay for all these things with other people's tax money that voters and statutes have approved for other services. And it's just... It's just such a great example of why that we it's hard to we support reforming TIF in Missouri, but we really need to largely get rid of it. And because this whole plan is just bad from the start and I'm very much optimistic that the County TIF Commission will do as they properly and commendably did in Maryland Heights. And along with the school district representatives on this commission, shoot this shoot this plan plan down. If, I don't know why. As some people who've contacted our office have said, why the Chesterfield Mall, why taxpayers need to pay to demolish it. It's owned by a very successful, prominent developer who paid very little for the mall. Like, why do taxpayers have to demolish it so that he can redevelop it and make a, a fortune in the future, which would be wonderful. But why taxpayers have to continue subsidizing all of this stuff is just infuriating. When is the commission going to meet about it? November 1st at Chesterfield City Hall. I believe it's it's in the evening. It might be it's either 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. that it should all be available on on a online. I'll say it's 6 p.m. because if I say it's 7 and you're late, it's bad, but if I say it's 6 and it's actually 7, you just show up early so you can uh, go. But confirm I will confirm the time. All right. Patrick, over the next week, what are you keeping tabs on? 
Yeah, so uh, there was a story in the Missouri Independent uh, in this last uh, couple days, uh, and they're talking about uh, a Sunshine Law request made by the Attorney General's office to the University of Missouri. And in it, one of the more prominent free speech organizations, the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression, uh, was casting aspersions on like the idea of getting uh, public records from public universities. So uh, I'll be writing a little bit about that. My my concern, I think you can support free speech, but also support transparency in government. Uh, and I'll be teasing that out a little bit, but uh, certainly we'll be doing a little bit more recapping on the uh, the tax cuts full week ahead, but uh, it's a little bit of everything. Sure. David? We've got an election upcoming in three and a half weeks, and there's, you know, my focus on these things is, generally towards interesting ballot issues around the, around the state. Also, two things that we've done videos and op-eds on in Laclede County in south-central Missouri and Clay County, just north of, uh, which is Kansas City is in Clay County, just north of uh, Jackson County right there. Uh, they've, Laclede and Clay both have commercial surtax reductions on the ballot. Uh, very interesting. I think both of those would be excellent policy changes for those counties. And finally, something Patrick will probably cover a little more than me, but there's a bond issue in Kansas City for affordable housing, and I, it'd be very interesting to see how how that how that turns out. We've written a lot about affordable housing issues at showmeinstitute.org, most of that done by Patrick and Elias. And Avery. Well, I mean, we all know driving around Missouri, it's like driving in a war zone. You're dodging potholes and blurred lines you don't really know what you're doing out there it's, it's a lot of underfunding and i'm going to be looking at maybe a way to find a better way to fund these roads so we can get them fixed up looking like the roman roads from the old empire so there we maybe, go Atten- maybe a little wider than that <laughs> maybe a little bigger than <laughs> maybe, that maybe a little bit wider <laughs> they need to be wide enough for food trucks we've established <laughs> wide enough for multiple cars to pass we don't need to measure how many centurions can be walking on it at the at the same time All right. uh, Thank you all for listening. Plenty more at showmeinstitute.org. We do have an event in Columbia, Missouri, coming up on Monday, November 7th. It's free. Showmeinstitute.org slash events for all the details. David, Patrick, Avery, thank you very much. (laughs) 